Welcome to Women and Manufacturing, where accomplished women interview accomplished women, with your host, Jennifer McNelly. Welcome to Women in Manufacturing Radio. I'm Jennifer McNelly, President of 180 Skills and host for today's show. Please join today's conversation on Twitter at hashtag women and MFG. Women represent a vast talent pool in the U.S. economy. Women total almost 47% of the U.S. labor force, but only 29% of the manufacturing workforce. This gap represents an opportunity for women in manufacturing to share their story and help inspire the next generation of women leaders. I'm honored today to be joined by Cindy Bray McDaniels, plant manager for Trenton HVAC Residential at Ingersoll Rand. Cindy, thanks so much for joining us here today. Before we dive into your journey into manufacturing, can you talk to me a little bit about your role with Ingersoll Rand as a plant manager? Sure. So Ingersoll Rand, we've been in business for over 145 years, and today we're advancing the quality of life by, by creating comfortable, sustainable, and efficient environments. Our people and family are brands, which a lot of people don't realize it, but Ingersoll Rand is made up of Club Car, Ingersoll Rand, Thermal King, and Train. We work together to enhance the quality and comfort of air in homes and buildings. We transport and protect food and perishables, and we increase industrial productivity and efficiency. We're a $14 billion global business, and at Train, which is the business that I work within, uh, we optimize indoor environments with a broad portfolio of energy efficiency, heating, ventilating, air conditioning systems. So as for me and my role as a plant manager, I've been with Ingersoll Rand for more than 21 years, and I've held a lot of roles throughout my career. I'm currently serving as a plant manager in our Trenton, New Jersey site. Our Trenton site produces residential equipment, and we employ over 1,100 people. I really love my role within Ingersoll Rand, and I'm responsible for all aspects of the operations, including environmental health and safety, quality, delivery, customer satisfaction, employee engagement, cost performance, and operational excellence. Obviously, with all those things, it sounds like a big job, but I do enjoy making a difference every day, and that's why it's such a rewarding role. I get to utilize my engineering background while working with people each day to improve processes and products. I was going to say, you know, when I think of Ingersoll Rand, I also think, hello, it's summer. <laughs> and, boy, I appreciate the greater comforts, and even more so than I know who is behind making the house cool when I walk in at the end of the day. So I'm excited for today's conversation. Um, and, you know, you talked about a couple top-line things, um, you know, quality of life, making the world a more comfortable place. Um, you also talked a little bit about the sort of moving of goods and services and products, you know, that may travel in, in cars and trucks. And, you know, there's such a diversity and complexity in Ingersoll Rand as a company. To your point, it's several brands. I don't know if that's the right term, um, that fall under Ingersoll Rand as a company. And that must, especially in a world where, you know, sustainability is important, green is important. Um, how, how, does, how does that all fit in and sort of what do you see as the greatest challenges um, that manufacturers face today as you operate as a plant manager? Some of our biggest challenges is really attracting people into manufacturing. Um, mm -hmm. In my experience, um, our challenges really expand across all the jobs in manufacturing, whether it be someone on you know working on the assembly line someone that's in a skilled trade like machinist and 
and mechanics and welders. And even people that have chosen to pursue college educations and pursue a, a professional career. So people that are in backgrounds of, you know, materials, human resources, engineering, safety or logistics. In general, I don't think the populations really understand about the great jobs we have in manufacturing. And so I still think that uh, people have a tendency to believe manufacturing is dark and dirty in, an, in their environment. And, you know, I think today really manufacturing offers highly skilled and interesting career opportunities, but I just don't think that that's a well-known attribute of our industry yet. Um, I think the perception is is wrong. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, we, we do uh, – women do make up about 47% of the workforce. So I think that the perception that the general population has about manufacturing being dark and dirty does make attracting women to our industry even harder at times. And remember, women make up 47% of the labor force, so we really have to overcome the stigma by reaching out and educating all people. Well, and I think, Cindy, that's a really important point you bring up and, you know, part of why we have the women and manufacturing radio show is so that we can really bring forward the, <laughs> the truth about these great careers because perception is not necessarily reality and um, we need to make everybody aware of these great career opportunities and you know I think that's actually an interesting segue um, into your background and your very uh, distinguished career at Ingersoll Rand. So I'm going to take you back to your early years. Uh, what was your favorite subject in school? Hmm. So I, I enjoyed school for the most part. Uh, my favorite subjects were always uh, math and science. Uh, in fact, when I first started college, I declared my major as business administration. And it didn't take me long into my freshman year to realize that I ran out of math and science and I just wasn't being challenged in, in college. So I switched my major over to engineering and I really never looked back from that. That's pretty cool. And it's amazing how often I hear, uh, you know, there's, there's stories behind young girls in math and a lot, plenty of data behind at what point we stop raising our hands. Yet I found with the interviews that I've done with women in manufacturing, it was never an issue and they were never afraid. So it's great to hear. Did you have a teacher or a family member um, impact sort of your career trajectory? Yeah, I actually had quite a few different people, mainly in my family, that influenced me throughout my life, I guess, as we all do. Um, I'd say I'd say my grandmother, um, she was pretty big in my uh, in my life. She she graduated from University of Kentucky back in the 1940s, and she went on to teach third grade students for over 30 years. And remember, this was a time that um, women weren't very often in the workplace at all. And uh, she ended up working and uh, raising a family with my grandfather. Um, she taught me a lot about pursuing my dreams and, and teaching me about perseverance and, you know, staying the course on things and uh, figuring out how to make lemonade out of lemons, right? Um, she taught me about the importance of people and the value of really creating relationships with them. Um, for over 30 years, she really inspired a lot of third graders and our entire family to, to go out and change the world uh, through our talents and our capabilities and our passions, um, another real big influence in my life was my stepfather. Um, he was a helicopter pilot in the United States Army, and he taught me a lot about leadership and discipline. And um, 
I was introduced early to uh, consequences when I broke the rules. Um, so let's just say there was lots of consistency in my childhood. But I do think that that consistency and discipline, you know, gave me a really great foundation for life. Um, you know, lastly, my two brothers, um, there was a plenty of times that, uh, that we fought and I fought back, and I'm probably a scrappy, scrappy young lady or older lady now. Um, because of growing up with two brothers. But, um, you know, as kids, we were always outside exploring and we were tinkering with things and repairing motorcycles and repairing cars and just making things and making things better all the time. So, so I have to kind of give all those people credit for the person I am today. Well, and that's um, a series of really important influences. You know, I heard <laughs> strength, I heard discipline, I heard consequences, and then um, the ability to stand up for oneself. I got plenty of siblings, and I know, quote, what scrappy means, but I do think all of those things in the end, those set of life experiences shape who we are, who we are today, and actually, I think even, and you mentioned this, the leader that you become, and what's important, and I, I love your comments about being able to be taught not just the discipline and the consequences of actions, but also the importance of people and relationships. That's pretty cool. That's mm -hmm. very cool. Sometimes we lose sight of that in, in what happens in life. So did you have a favorite toy, something that, as you think about in your childhood, was always in your hands? <laughs> so, so I mentioned a little while ago, um, you know, I love tinkering with anything and everything. And so my toys were actually the ones that were broken. Uh, and there was a lot of broken toys with two, uh, two boys around the house and, and a, a girl, right? Uh, but my dad and my brothers and I, we'd spend countless, countless hours in the yard and in the garage, and we'd fix toys like bikes and skateboards and motorcycles. And, and uh, so a lot of times we just had an in endless supply of things to tinker with, and so therefore the learning and, and stuff was just amazing throughout my childhood. Yeah, I'm curious. So you like to fix – I always like to take them apart. That's my claim to fame. I, I wanted to take them apart, see how they worked. Maybe I'd get them back together or not. <laughs> back to that understanding consequences, taking them apart yeah. is very different than putting them back together. Did you fall on both sides of that spectrum? I did. I, I was probably, Jennifer, to be completely honest, I was a professional at taking them apart. So, and, and for the same reasons you mentioned, I love to watch, to see how things worked and stuff. But I, I think that there was probably consequences for taking some things apart. I probably blocked some of that out of my memory, though. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember I got an alarm clock from childhood. I was like, ooh, I'm going to see what's on the inside of this. And next thing I know, it's in a pile around me. I'm like, okay, I know all the parts now, I'm done. And I walked away. <laughs> Next morning, didn't have an alarm clock to wake me up. <laughs> that's funny. That un yeah, unintended consequences, but that's great. Yeah. I'm, you know, as, as a true tinkerer myself, you know, I was fortunate to equally have enough broken things around me that not everything was the alarm clock that I needed to wake me up the next morning. But but again, I'm less interested in the putting it back together. I just wanted to know yeah. if I was alone in my thinking. Um, so so you weren't you weren't alone in your thinking. You, I'll have to say, my favorite thing that I took apart was a toaster oven, the one that pops the toast up automatically. That was an yeah. amazing mechanical uh, fixture that I ended up taking apart, and I was able to get it back together. <laughs> 
But it was because I was being threatened. I was being threatened to put it back together. So I think that there was my life was on the line on that one. Somebody wanted their pop tarts. Somebody wanted their pop tarts. But but I do again. I think there's there's benefit and avenues to both sides in the world of jigsaw puzzles. I love the completion side of it in the random acts. I don't know if I care as much. <laughs> but it's good to know I'm not alone in that journey. So um, I want to talk a little bit, you know, part of what we try to focus on here on Women in Manufacturing Radio is how did you end up where you did? So how did you decide to go into manufacturing? Yeah, so so actually I kind of just fell into manufacturing. Um, I actually graduated um, from college as a mechanical engineer, and I went into a design role, and I worked with a small manufacturing company. Um, and, and I found it interesting to be able to to draw something and design something and, and get a 2D print, right? And I took that 2D print, and I took it down to the plant floor, and me and some of the people that, that worked in the plant, we were able to make that. And um, the more I did that, the more excited I became about manufacturing and the careers manufacturing had to offer. So, so I think that's really where I caught the manufacturing bug, if you will. And I have to say I'm pretty excited to be doing it now 23 years later. Yeah. Uh, when I was at the Manufacturing Institute and the Dream It, Do It campaign, we used to have a poster that said where the thought becomes the thing. And it was that idea of somebody's going to imagine it, and then someone's going to make it. So interesting that you are the epitome of that poster where you sat behind the desk to begin with, and then yeah, yeah, that was that was it. That was the most amazing thing was you know drawing it on AutoCAD at the time, drawing it on AutoCAD, taking my little print down, and. You know, two hours later, it has been through the laser, been through the brake press, and it's going into an assembly and stuff. It, it's just, it's amazing that you can, if you can dream it, you can make it. It, it's true. Yeah, and that's. I'm wondering if people looked at you funny the first time you walked on the plant floor, or were they just oh, expecting sh- you? No, I'm sure they did. You know, ponytail little twenty year old. I'm sure. I'm sure they did. Yeah, <laughs> they Here's probably had a lot design. to say about me. <laughs> and 23 years later and here you are so talk to me a little bit about Ingersoll Rand sort of knowing the diversity of the company what 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 you got you to Ingersoll Rand or equally you know what makes you want to stay Mm -hmm. yes I started in uh, with train in 1997 and in 2008 train was purchased by Ingersoll Rand um, so I really I wasn't attracted to Ingersoll Rand as much as um, I was attracted to a train at the time. Um, but I will say there's plenty of things that keep me at Ingersoll Rand. So uh, first is really a sense of community and family that you get from being a part of this team. Um, I think we have something very special in Ingersoll Rand, and and you know I've been here for 21 years or within train in Ingersoll Rand for 21 years. So I can't say that. Um, other companies don't have some of this special ingredients, but but I do think that there's just something phenomenal about the company and the people that work with us. Um, another reason that I work uh, here in Ingersoll Rand is is the mission that we have around changing the world and making it a more comfortable and efficient place. Um, I think back to um, my childhood a lot. I mentioned my grandmother earlier, and I can remember sitting on the porch um, 
in the Georgia heat and it being 100 degrees outside, and we didn't have air conditioning, um, so no one would be caught dead inside the house because if it was 100 degrees outside, it was 140 degrees inside. And um, now, you know, most families in Georgia, including my grandparents' house, is air conditioned um, as a result of some of the things that our company does and other companies like us. And, um, you know, I also think about, you know, Thermal King and the way we've changed the world and made it a more comfortable and efficient place. Years ago, we didn't get vegetables and fruits year-round because there wasn't a way to transport them. We got whatever was in season at the time at wherever you lived. And, you know, now with Thermal King uh, transporting perishables, we're able to get things in season year-round. And, and I just think it's changed the way we as, we as people live. And um, it's, I'm real proud to be a part of, of that history, and I'm real proud of what we do today and what we are going to continue to do in the future to change the world. Um, really, the last thing that keeps me with Ingersoll Rand is, is um, our company's values. They really do align perfectly with my own personal values. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're not just buzzwords to me. Um, our values are integrity and respect and teamwork and innovation and courage. And, and if you've, you know, as you've listened to me today, you can kind of align some of the things I've talked to with these uh, values. So it's not just words on a piece of paper to me. It's it's really the way I live each day and every day and wanting to get better. So um, the other thing is I did uh, – I've always played organized team sports, including softball in college. So team is extremely important to me. And, you know, I love being a member of a team, and I like to to work within a team and work for a team to make us all better and to achieve goals. That's great. Sign me up. Send me my application. I'm on my way. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. I'd never, like the example that you share about, I mean, it truly is making the world a more comfortable place. The example of growing up in an environment without air conditioning, and that's not the way the world is today. You know, I grew up in Alaska, and everything, for the most part, was shipped in from somewhere else. So, you know, I drank powdered milk as a kid because, well, you didn't have milk, <laughs> Or milk was too expensive and even just the the reach and impact so you know to what used to be characterized by the military as you know an overseas installation you know is now common practice to walk into the grocery store and have things that weren't there in my childhood because it was too expensive to move them and exactly. they would go bad so I mean the the whole quality of life impact is really important and it's important i'm sure on a global scale in every community that you guys operate in so yeah i love what you guys do and again anyone that makes <laughs> that improves the world and makes it a more comfortable place so you've talked a little bit, and this is actually a nice segue from the values of the company and being able to truly wake up every single day and live those values. And and that's, I think that's actually very special. Um, that not everybody has that luxury in life. So I have to do a plug to Ingersoll Rand and um, congratulations on that front. I imagine, though, just like your life experiences, there's a whole set of influences that have helped you make the leader that you are today. So if you're thinking about impacts and influences, 
you know, how have they shaped who you are today as a leader and how you interact with your team? Huh. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that I could say any one experience influenced me to be the leader I am today. And, and I don't think that would be the case with any leader that we'd encounter today. Um, I think the leader I'm today is, has been really created through a collection of a lot of things. Um, many, I really learn and grow from experiences from other people. I actually spend time every day um, thinking and reflecting on my day and reviewing it to determine if I should have done something different. I ask myself, you know, did I make a difference today? And how could I have, how could I have had more influence or more impact today? And I normally do this on my ride home. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty humbling way to self-assess and make some adjustments that are needed. Um, I think a lot of people might uh, interpret this as being very critical of, of yourself, and sometimes I am very critical of myself, which can be a flaw. But, but I'm, really, um, I'm really proud of the leader I am today, and I know that I'm still learning and I'm still adjusting and I'm still making myself and I'm making others better every day. Um, I do like to step back a bit and watch people. Um, my dad taught me that as we were growing up. We did a lot of people watching. And um, I like to watch people and the way that they react to others during conversations. And, and I learn a lot from taking those observations and I use them to, you know, emulate good leaders and I use them to avoid things that I don't find appealing in others. Um, so, um, I've learned that with, with interacting with numerous layers of our organization can be really rewarding. I love hosting, uh, visitors and visitors, they can come from inside and outside of manufacturing, but when they come through our plant doors, I think that they have a genuine, um, desire to learn and to, and I believe their tours are very rewarding. Um, I love being a part of um, those plant tours, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. What I enjoy so much more uh, on my day-to-day -day walks is when I get a chance to go out on the plant floor and actually interact and help and learn about the jobs that our people are doing. I love being a part of the team, and I love working with our employees to find better ways to do things. Um, so in my opinion, I have the best job there is. It's very rewarding, and I think the leader I am today is influenced greatly on all of my past experiences, and what's going to happen to me in the future is just going to continue to help me grow and learn and be a better leader tomorrow. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if we covered this at the top, but tell me how many are in your plant. Did we cover that? I'm sorry if um, I'm asking you to repeat. Yeah, no. We have a, a little over 1,100 employees here. Yeah. Do you get to walk the floor every day? I do. I generally, yeah. um, I generally try to spend an hour or two on the floor each day. I think that's important because, to, to your point, you are, as a leader, a compilation of all those that you are in service of that are part of that great team that you've built there. Um, and that's important. I'm curious on the drive home. So you mentioned sometimes you beat yourself up. People may think that, you know, negative, but it actually sounds, you know, I, I personally have been trying to, to journal um, three points of gratitude at the end of every day to remind me that even when I have a difficult day, 
I have something to be grateful for. And it sounds like your self-reflection is a little bit of that as well. Do you ever write it down? And how long is your drive home? I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't write it down because I'm sure that that would be a hazard to myself and any of the other drivers out there. Um, and in my drive home, since I'm in the Trenton, New Jersey area, it's a, it's a pretty densely populated area. So my drive home changes from anywhere from about 20 minutes to about 45 minutes. It depends on traffic. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I try to not, not um, get too aggravated with traffic and turn into road rage or anything like that. Yeah, I, well, I don't have that in Indianapolis anymore, but I certainly had plenty of that in Washington, D.C. when I was there. But, but I think that, you know, purposeful reflection – is a great idea because you know we can always we are all works of art in progress and I love how you've had a lot of influences and that again stepping back and observing and you also mentioned something that I think is worth repeating which is you mentioned you you pick up elements of what you like and want to emulate but you also understand or observe what you don't want to do um, which I think is really important too. Um, right. I think. I think. I mean, obviously, we all do some of those things, but I think the self-reflection and, and the intentful nature of some of my self-assessments and stuff has has helped me a lot. Um, I know there's times in the afternoon when I reflect on a conversation that that I think back and I'm like, you know, that didn't go as well as I had wanted it to. And sometimes you just can't have a face-to-face with the person, and you, you, but you don't want it to go on. So there's times that I make phone calls, um, you know, once I get home, and sometimes I talk to that person about uh, an exchange that we had. And a lot of times they're like, you know, I didn't think – I didn't take it that way, but now that you mention it. And so we – it, it allows us to have some open dialogue, and, and I think it's very helpful for the for the team. And, you know, there are times that I make mistakes as a leader, and there are times that when I do the reflection, I'll, I'll think about comments that I've made or, or body language that I might have uh, had, and um, sometimes I apologize for some of those things to the person, and, and they're like, you know what, I did think that, and I – and now that you've apologized, it, you don't you don't know how much that means to me, you know. And so, I think people need to realize that leaders are no more perfect than anyone else. And you know, but sometimes you have to be humble and yeah. admit that you're not perfect. Well, and what I love about this conversation is you're incredibly authentic. And I think with authentic leaders and how they are perceived by the followers and what the needs of followers are. Um, It's that genuine, genuine being authentic that, again, the sincerity to those that either you, they didn't take it that way or others that did, that's, um, you know, that being authentic truly shines through in today's discussion. And I appreciate you sharing that with me. As a leader and as you think about your role and responsibility, and we talked a little bit on the front end about the perception of manufacturing careers, and I, you know, my theme for the show is always about paying it forward. I think as women in the industry, we have a huge responsibility to help others understand 
what a great opportunity it is to be in manufacturing and how exciting and rewarding and fun it can be. So the whole point behind the show is help to inspire others. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you do to help inspire, and I won't make it just about young girls, but I'll say in general, others into manufacturing careers, and even those that may be on the plant floor looking to do more, you know, what's your role in paying it forward? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so this is going to be my favorite question. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so so I'm going to kind of talk through a few things that we've done here in Trenton just in the last couple years uh, that I've been here. And, um, you know, I think we get to inspire people from different backgrounds by really opening our doors to the community. Um, in Trenton, we just participated in Take Your Child to Work Day. So I think it's a national event. But we invited kids uh, from 8 to 18 and to really spend the day with us. Um, we voted them to fun events, so we didn't quite put them to work like we could have, but we didn't. We, 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 uh, we created some fun events like some lean manufacturing workshops and did some Lego exercises and some nuts and bolts exercises, and we exposed them to some of the numerous exciting careers we do have in manufacturing. And, you know, the kids – and the adults that actually planned, organized, and participated in the event, they were really engaged and enthusiastic about the event. So um, when one of the kids was leaving, um, he gave me a fist bump, and I asked him how his day was. And he looked at me, he's like, this was the best day ever. And he says, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be an engineer. And um, I gave him another fist bump, maybe even a high five because I was excited. But there was about 10 of us that were just sitting around kind of watching or standing around watching that exchange. And you should have seen the smile, of course, on his dad's face. But you should have seen the smile from all around the room of how excited he was to come and spend the day with us. And then the 10 of us or so that were standing around looking at the exchange, how inspiring he was to all of us. So, you know, I think that the more we can open our doors up to uh, kids and and adults, for that matter, and really explain to them and show them some of the exciting careers we have in manufacturing and some of the fun things we get to do, the more it becomes an option for them as they grow up. The other thing that um, we are going to be doing in October, we, we did it last year, um, so we have this thing called Manufacturing Day that's a national day, right? Um, but Ingersoll ran, we've been actually opening our doors. So rather than holding it to a day, we actually kind of celebrate the whole month of uh, October. So it's not a day event. It's a month-long event for us. Uh, last year was the first year we did it, and we, um, we opened our doors to three high schools, to three local high schools here mm. in the Trenton, New Jersey area. And they had over 40 kids come into the plant. Um, this year, we're actually working toward hosting 20, maybe even more than 20 high school tours, and we're ex expecting wow. a turnout of well over 250 kids um, to allow them to come in and see Trenton and what Ingersoll Rand does. So, so I think you know what we do a lot of times is um, we do what we call rapid experiments as part of our lean journey. Of we try something out on a small scale, and then if mm -hmm. it works and we really like it. We expanded to a larger scale. So I would call last year's um, Manufacturing Day event uh, hosting three high schools and, you know, 40 kids, and we're going to expand it to 20 high schools with 250 or more kids as, as, a, as a really good opportunity for us to inspire and engage people. And to me, it's a win-win situation. Um, 
So, you know, we're really just scratching the surface here in Trenton on employee and community involvement. I really think that when we get to bring people into the plant, um, I think that it inspires and it engages us, right? I mean, we get excited to share our learning yeah. and share what we get to do. And, you know, the, the, the engagement is, comes from both sides, the visitors and the hosts. And so I think exposing um, more and more people to what we get to do uh, does definitely expand people's knowledge. So I think that's how we're inspiring and engaging others. And I think we're just scratching the surface. Um, so I, I know that there's, uh, there's so much more we can do and there's so much more we should be doing. And to me, scratching the surface is our starting point. And um, maybe next year we'll, we'll be hosting 500 kids. Who knows? Yeah, and you bring up a really good point, and it sort of came through in the discussion about um, the fist bump and the 10 people surrounding, and to your point that engagement goes, like, student was really excited, but the 10 people surrounding that got to share their story, and sometimes I think that gets lost in activities that we do around Manufacturing Day and others, that that it is it is as fulfilling for the company to be able to have its employees share their story, as you guys did. I'm curious, the 10 people surrounding, was it a diversity of, of job functions? And so, you know, there was clearly an engineer and a plant manager in the crowd. <laughs> um, but was it, you know, a multitude of different job functions and people that got to interact with the young people to tell their story yeah. and talk about what they did? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We we uh we got a really good cross functional team of, of people that helped put together the the um bring your child to work day. We had people mm -hmm. from the materials area, we had uh engineering, plant manager, EHS, um uh there was a procurement person, so you name it, it seems like there was uh well, there were supervisors, um you name it, there was people from all kinds of different backgrounds. The other thing that I try to do is when we do have these plant tours, you know, you, you mentioned how to, you know, be a good role model and, and really maybe inspire young girls and, and women into um, manufacturing careers. There's really just not that many women in large plants or any plants throughout the world that are female plant managers, right? So I do try to always yeah. put my head into plant tours and, you know, spend a few minutes talking to them and answering questions. And most of the time the guys actually give me a lot of kudos, you know, as far as the tours, they're like, look, this is our plant manager, you know, look. And, and it's, it's, it's inspiring to be kind of that role model. And, you know, I, I, I hope that the young people, whether they're, little girls or little boys go home and, you know, talk about their experiences that they have. And I hope we, you know, they go home and talk about it at dinner tables and I hope they're as enthusiastic about it as we are hosting them. Well, and I, I, I will take a moment to acknowledge, I often use the term shoulders of greatness that others stand on and you truly are because you're right, there are not a lot of female plant managers, and you are a set of those shoulders that the next generation will stand on proudly because of the journey that, and the story and the willingness to say, hey, you can do this too. So you know, I will, on behalf of those that will stand on your very strong shoulders, thank you for that. Um, words of wisdom. You know, what would your experienced 
yourself tell your teenage self today? So this is an easy question to answer. Um, I would encourage my younger self to judge less and seek to understand more. Um, There's really just so many people that fail to really understand situations and they make judgments with minimal knowledge or even worse, their perception of what they think is going on. Um, And, you know, as a teenager, I wish I would have been more inquisitive and truly listened to others without judging them. Um, you mentioned earlier, I, I never used the word authentic, but that, that word gets used to describe me a lot. So it, there must be some truth behind it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm a better person today than I was as a teenager. But it's because I judge less and I really do try to understand more. And, you know, I think that it's, it's easy to be authentic. Because you are authentic, it's easy to be authentic. <laughs> and again, again I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily always the case. And and I do think in life in general, um, people make a lot of assumptions. And I, I like to think that I live my life expecting positive intent in any circumstance, whether it's uh, having a negative ramification against me or not. But boy, that is I don't ever succeed nine times out of ten. I fail, but at least I I try and pause. But I do think, you know, judge less and seek to understand more. You know, ask more questions. Wise counsel to your teenage self. Um, and again, I'll come back to the the authenticity of today's conversation and your willingness to to talk about what helps you be the leader that you are um, clearly rings through. So as um, those that listen to the Women in Manufacturing radio show and mine in particular over time, I, I, I'm one with assignments because I do think, again, you are shoulders of greatness that others will stand on. And I always like to have somebody else engaged in that process with a parting challenge. So to our listeners today, as we start to close out our show, what challenge or takeaway would you ask of them? So I'd like to encourage people to seek to understand the numerous and exciting, rewarding careers we have in manufacturing. Uh, learn something new every day. Make sure you're reflecting on yourself and your behaviors every day. You aren't perfect, but if you're willing to make adjustments, you can be better tomorrow than you are today. And that's really what's important for yourself, your family, and the people you work with. Cindy, thank you for taking time out of your very busy day to share your story on Women in Manufacturing Radio. I am confident that by sharing your story, we will help to inspire others. Um, To our listeners, uh, please engage in the discussion on Twitter at hashtag WomenEndMFG and stay tuned um, next week for another inspiring story. Cindy, thank you so much. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to Women and Manufacturing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.